Welcome to week two of our series, Bear Fruit. In this series, we're learning the fruit of the Spirit. It's the qualities of the life change that we display through the life we live because of the life change that we've experienced in Jesus. The evidence of what God's done in us is how people recognize that we're different. The Bible teaches us to be in the world but not of the world, that to look like Jesus, we ought to be different from those who are around us. This actually comes from out of Scripture. We're basing this whole series on Matthew 7 and 16 where Jesus tells us you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. So Jesus tells us that people should be able to identify us as followers of Jesus because of the fruit that we bear, the way that we act. And the fruit of the Spirit is a list of things that are the characteristics or the evidence of the life that we've lived. Last week we talked about Fruit Ninja, about navigating all the different things that come in our life, all the qualities that we have, and how to obtain the real healthy fruit. We learned about uh, the, the vine, and we learned that we are connected to the source, that we're connected to what gives us nutrients, to what helps us grow, that what helps us able to become and be like Christ, and that Jesus was the source, that he is the vine. We learn about the branch, which the Bible says is what we are. So we are the conduit of what the nutrients bring, of what the source brings to our life. We are what displays or holds the fruit that grows. And we learned about the gardener, which is God, who trims or prunes or cuts away that which is unhealthy in our lives. That is what helps us to produce. And so it's important in this series that we learn the qualities or the fruit of the Spirit so that you and I can display Jesus to the world that's around us. Today, I titled your message, Picking Fruit. And I want to learn about how we select the right fruit for our life. Uh, my mom passed away two weeks ago, and the last thing that my mom purchased was fruit. We had come home from a doctor's appointment, and she wanted to go to the grocery store. She wanted to pick out a few things. She wasn't feeling well, but she wanted to go through and she wanted to pick out some fruit. And so she handed me a cantaloupe and she said, fill this. She said, how does it feel? And I said, well, mom, it feels like a cantaloupe. I don't know what you're asking me. And she said, yeah, but does it feel right? Does it feel good? She said, is it firm? So there was a process of the pr uh, proper way to pick fruit. I don't know anything about determining if the fruit was good or not. But I have a lot of respect for fruit and that process. You see, as a teenager, I worked in a watermelon field one summer. And that is some of the most hard work that I'd ever experienced in all of my life. I can remember coming to this watermelon field and there being rows and rows what were miles and miles of nothing but watermelons. And so this older gentleman in a rusted up pickup truck in this field dropped us off at the very first row. And he said, I'm going to park my truck way over there. And he said, when you get there, then you can have a break and you can have some water. The whole water container was on the back of this pickup truck. And I remember thinking, man, no big deal. I got this. But hours went by. Row after row after row of picking weeds and taking out what was trying to destroy the watermelon growth. And I thought we would never, ever get to the water truck. So I have a lot of respect for picking fruit. You and I, it seems like the difficulty of life is every day choosing the right decisions, making the right choices so that we live a life that honors God. 
And so today, I want to talk about what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, where it gives us the fruit of the Spirit, how we pick the proper fruit in our life, and what is the process that comes with picking the proper fruit. And I'll just tell you up front today that today's message is a little uncomfortable. Today's message is very countercultural. It's very different from what we embrace in our culture today, our thinking, our feelings. What I want to do today is I want to, I want to put all of that aside, and I want to lean into what the Bible actually teaches us about picking the proper fruit. And so the Bible kind of gives us a setup in Galatians 5 about what we're dealing with and why it's difficult for us to pick the proper fruit in our life. And I'll look at it with you in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, and here's what the Bible says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That word God is important. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Notice that the Bible points out a sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now the Bible gives us two perspectives. It gives us two different fruits. We have the sinful nature that the Bible says will prevent us from carrying out our good intentions. The Bible says if the Holy Spirit does not guide our lives, that's important. Because I want to ask us today a sobering question that every one of us should be asking ourselves is what is the God to your life? What is your God? What is giving you the direction? What's helping you make the decisions that you choose to make? What is guiding you on the lifestyle that you choose to live? What guides your feelings? What guides your thoughts? What guides your emotions? What is it that's guiding your relationship? What guides your morals? What is it that is guiding you? And if it's not the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God living personally in my life, if I'm not being led by the Spirit of God, it only is guided my life by the sinful nature. And the sinful nature, the Bible says, wants to do what is evil. What is the definition of evil? What is the definition of the sinful nature? Well, we're going to learn that together today, not from my perspective, but what the Bible says about what is the sinful nature. Because these two forces are constantly fighting each other. The sinful nature and that which is led by the Spirit of God. And even though We have good intentions. Without the Holy Spirit guiding us, we go the wrong way. Now, I want to tell us something today. I want to put every single one of us at a level playing field, including me talking to you today. Every single one of us have a sinful nature. Go ahead and lift the burden off of your shoulders. I just want to tell you, every one of us, we struggle with sin. We struggle with the desire to do things that are opposite of God's best for us. Every single one of us. We all have good intentions. Do you know that there are many people 
who are living apart from God's best in their life, and they have all the good intentions in the world. There are people that I love to spend time with. There are people that I love to talk to. There are people that I count personally as friends that do not live out God's best for their life, even though in the middle of the life they live, they have the best intentions. I wake up every day often with really good intentions, but I let myself get the best of me. And I have to go before the Lord and say, God, I missed it. God, I messed up. I let myself, my sinful nature get in the way, even though I had good intentions. And so today what I want to do is I want to unpack what the Bible teaches us about the different fruits that are presented in our life. And what are we doing about it? What are some things that we're struggling with? What are some things that we're all dealing with in our own lives and in our culture, in the world around us? And how do we navigate picking the right fruit? So I want to pray for us that we can just ask God's blessing on the word today. That we ask God to begin to shape us and mold us and make us to change our thinking. That today we table our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own emotions, our own outlook. And we just say, God, teach us from your word today and challenge us in the way that we're living so that we have the proper fruit that you want from our lives. So, Father, I pray for us today, every person listening by podcast, every person watching online or by television, God, I pray right now that you just begin to do something incredible from the inside out, change and challenge the way that we live, the way that we think, and the way that we uh, display the fruit of our lives. So God, we just submit ourselves to you today. We ask your blessing on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to give you some decisions. Decisions, decisions. Picking fruit. What fruit are you going to pick to live out in your life? The first fruit that you can pick, that you can make a decision to say, I'm going to take that one, is the sinful life. It's a sinful life. It's embracing what the Bible says is a life that is not spirit-led. That is the sinful nature. If we embrace the sinful self and a sinful lifestyle and sinful decisions based on what I want to do within myself, a selfish, sinful nature, the Bible gives us some instruction and some evidence of what that fruit actually is. Look at what the Bible says with me. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the Bible says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, I want to stop right there for just one second. The Bible says, now this is God's Word. Now, take me out of it. I'm just the messenger. I'm trying to align my heart to this the same that you are. But the Bible says that when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your sinful self, the results are very clear. Now, this is not trying to make it up. This is not trying to write it for ourselves. We're just taking the Bible for what the Bible teaches us. And we just so happen to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, sent from God, and it is my role as a follower of Jesus for me to submit myself to God and to conform to His way and not ask God to conform to mine. You see, living in the sinful nature is actually saying, God, I know better, and I want you to get on board with the way I feel or the way that I think. But picking this fruit gives some clear evidence of the sinful nature. And here's what the Bible says. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, 
selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want us to breathe just a second right there because that is a lot to understand. That is a lot to comprehend. That is a lot to adjust to. Because most of our culture teaches the opposite of this. The world that's around us and the systems of the world and what the news would tell us and what Hollywood tells us and what the music scene tells us and what is moving and sweeping and forming and changing across our culture is completely different from this. And there are good people. There are people that are are living life with good intentions that you and I would have relationship and friendship with that is displaying the very clear uh, fruit of a sinful life, of the life that is chosen to be following from my sinful self. The Bible says that the results are very clear. The sexual immorality, the uh, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, And I love the fact that the Bible says, and other sins like these. In other words, there's not a big sin and a little sin. Every one of our sins that are in the category of our sinful self, driven by my desires, my thinking, and my feelings, and what I want for myself, when I put myself above God and what God's Word says, I have chosen the fruit of a sinful life. And we're dealing with this in our culture more and more. I hear a lot of people say, well, this is just who I am. This is just the way that I am. Or we make this statement, well, I was just born this way. I was born into this. I was born with this thought. I was born with this feeling. This is how God created me. However, what the Bible teaches us is that not that we're just born this way, that we have to be born again. You see, we're born into sin, absolutely. We have to be taught to have manners. We have to be taught to be generous. We have to be taught to share. We have to be taught how to live life in relationship and respect other people around us. We have to learn the processes of how to get rid of some of the the sinful, shameful, selfish stuff that we just naturally carry into this world. But the Bible says that you and I, we must be born again. We have to get rid of some of that sinful stuff, the, the, the stuff that we carry in this sinful life. we got to get rid of some of that, and we got to be born again. We can't just embrace the fact that, well, I was just born this way, or this is just who I am, as if it's an excuse to embrace it. You see, we can know it about ourselves. We can know our weakness. We can know our struggle. We can know the very clear results of embracing the sinful life. But it doesn't mean we have to stay there. It means we have to be born again. We have to allow God to change us. There are many different movements and struggles in our culture right now. Right now in the month of June is Pride Month. And that's one of the big topics and divisions across our country. That we're rewriting what it means to have relationship We're rewriting what it means to have sexuality. We've got the movements of the LBGTQ and and even farther than that we have now more complications of what some of that means and and how we navigate some of those things. And 
And even in the church world, we have churches that are dividing over their stance of, of this pride movement and, and what does it mean for our sexuality and our relationships and what does the Bible say or what does the Bible not say. And, and so we have these divides across culture and even across the church. But the pride, the Bible says, God detests the pride. Pride means that I'm elevating myself. Pride means that I'm elevating my own feelings and my own emotions and that I just accept where I am and this inward desire of my own life. Well, the Bible says that we have to, we have to submit ourselves before Him. Pride comes before the fall. God detests pride in our life. The Bible teaches us that the heart above all things is deceitful. My feelings and my emotions, they lie to me. And so when I look at this issue in our life and we say, well, where, where do we feel about this topic of pride and everything that it comes? I just have to submit myself to what God's word says. And I believe that God's word is what gives us truth and it gives us life and it's God's best for us. Now, let me just tell you, I have, I have great friends that live a pride lifestyle that follow this movement, that in their heart they feel and they have relationships that what we would believe in the same-sex marriages or relationship that aren't God's best, but I, they have good intentions. They really love their significant other. They really feel this in their bones. It's, it's sincere. It's not trying to make it up. It, it literally is a part of who they are. But I would say that we have to submit ourselves to the Lord and allow God to work inside of us so that He can be um, uh, able to help us not only to be born into it, to be born again. That we submit ourselves to what God's Word says. Gender identity. The feeling and desire of defining one's own self-gender. It's this confusion that we have about who we are and how we were created. And we're saying now that we have to allow children to make the decision about their own gender. That you're not born as an identity of a male or a female. Look, the Bible says that the results of our sinful life and allowing our feelings to be elevated above God, it just has very clear results. It's the sexual morality. It's the impurity. It's our lustful pleasures as idolatry it's elevating ourselves above god quarreling jealousy outburst of anger selfish ambition my selfish desire to be and to please me and my own feelings and my own emotions as if god didn't have the perfect way for our life to live and the trouble with this is that the bible says that anybody who lives this way will not inherit eternal life we're going to miss it. I think we're moving in a direction that's very dangerous where we are trying to play God. Where when we accept this sinful life, unfortunately, we begin to elevate ourselves above God and we begin to make this judgment call ourselves. We have this movement right now moving across our culture dealing with abortion. And we have people that are fighting for my body and my choice and my right to end the lives of innocent babies. And I just don't see anywhere in Scripture, anywhere where we can diminish the life of one to increase the life of another. You see, in this moment, we're saying that, that my future and my desire for my life 
to be without child, to not have the ramifications of the decisions or choices that I've made, not to follow through with the consequences because it's going to be inconvenient for my life. And so we're sacrificing the life of one to benefit the life of another. Uh, abortion right now is, is very common up to 12 weeks. And if you consider the 12-week development of a baby, at 12 weeks pregnant, you've nearly reached the end of the first trimester. Your baby's been busy, it says. All of your baby's vital organs and body parts will be in place this week at 12 weeks. Even the sex organs have been developed. The baby's heartbeat is probably audible with an external Doppler device. So you may get an opportunity to hear the baby's heartbeat at a 12-week checkup. At this time, your baby's eyelids are formed. At this point, your baby's hands are developing. The feet are developing. The little nail beds that recently developed are starting to sprout fingernails and toenails. And yet we're diminishing life by saying we're in control. Let me make my choice. It's my body. Well, let me tell you. The Bible says that I belong to the Lord, that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I am not my own. The Bible says that we were bought with a price. So I subject myself to the Lord. And let me just tell you, you may be on this, on this topic and you may be really struggling. You may be feeling shame or guilt or regret from decisions that you've made. Maybe you've walked through something like abortion. Maybe you've had to struggle with this. Maybe you're dealing with this thought right now. Look, it's not shame and it's not guilt. Yesterday, the Bible says, is as far as the east is from the west. When you come to the Lord and you submit yourself to Him, there is no shame. There is no guilt. There is nothing put on your life that is greater than the grace of God when you submit to Him. And look, I'm just talking about some of the big topics that's happening in our culture today and what we have to do. Look, the Bible says in any sin like this, any of our sins in our own life, every one of us are subject to our weaknesses of the sinful life. And so today we get to make a decision about the fruit that we pick. And one of those that many of us are embracing, that we have chosen for ourselves, is the sinful life. The second option that the Bible gives us is the spiritual life. The Bible says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. You see, the Holy Spirit produces. This is what I love. Because you go, well, pastor, you must think you have it all together. You church people must think you're just perfect and that you've got it all figured out and that you don't do any wrong. No, we realize that we don't get it right. We realize that we're sinners. We realize that there is a struggle with our flesh and with the sinful life. And so what we know is that in choosing a spiritual life, we have to let God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, produce what He wants to produce inside of my life. And for every struggle, for every temptation, for everything that is happening internally in my life, in my feelings, in my emotions, in my thinking, the way I see it, the way I hear it, the way that I feel it, the way I say it, that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforms all of those things so I see it God's way. I feel it God's way. I hear it God's way. I say it God's way. I do it God's way. It is the fruit of the life that we have in God. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. 
The fruit of the Spirit that God equips us with when we accept the spiritual life. He equips you for every temptation, for every attack that the enemy brings through the temptation of the fruit of the sinful life by just embracing the spiritual life that God would give to us. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. How do we embrace this spiritual life? How do we embrace the place of getting the fruit of the Spirit? We learned last week that Jesus is the source. He produces what comes from our life. And God tends to everything that, that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of our life. So this scripture literally says, hey, look, stop hanging around with the way the world thinks. Stop hanging around with everybody who influences the way that you think and the way that you feel and the emotions that you have. Listen, I feel certain ways, I think certain ways, but I have to subject myself to the truth of God. And I have to let God begin to deal with me from the inside out. I have to let God begin to shape and form and make me exactly the way He wants me to be. And the weaknesses that I have of the sinful life that try to come into the life that I live, I have to let the Holy Spirit begin to shape it and form it and make it the way he wants it to be. You got to tune out the rest of culture. You got to tune out what everybody tells you is right on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all of the channels of the world and the information that we absorb. We got to forget about what was on the front page of Google. We got to forget about the fact checkers of all the world, of everybody else trying to tell you what's right. You got to stop listening to your feelings and your emotions trying to lead you in the direction of the sinful self. And we have to embrace the very Spirit of God. It changes us. It changes the way that I feel. It changes the way that I think. How do we do it? Because we delight in the laws of the Lord. In God's Word, we find delight in it. The closer I get to God, I recognize that all this other stuff is counterfeit. That that sinful life, it's not fulfilling. That there's a reason that there's always this void where we wonder, there's got to be something else. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be more to life than this. There's more to it than the experience that I'm having right here on this earth. Why? Because I delight myself in the Lord and I draw close to Him. I meditate on His Word day and night, it says. And then as we move into this relationship, Jesus, Jesus, you will be like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in every season, in every season of your life. The good, the bad, the difficult, the in-between. In every season that you experience, the Bible says, you'll bear fruit. And your leaves will never wither. You'll prosper in everything that you do. In other words, there is nothing that happens. No movement of culture. No shaping and no shifting. No changing of time. That would be able to overrun. That would be able to destroy. That would be able to choke out the growth of the spiritual life that God is developing in you. 
the fruit of the Spirit. Everything that the Spirit of God brings to you grows strong in every season, in every circumstance. You won't find one thing of your life begin to die away because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You'll have patience. You'll have kindness. You'll have goodness. You'll have gentleness. You'll have self-control to be able to overcome the temptation of picking the fruit of the sinful life. Pick the spiritual life. And by doing so, number three, ultimately, where God wants all of us to get the ultimate fruit to obtain, and it's a daily process, a decision that we each make to move in this direction and to pick this fruit, is the sanctified life. The sanctified life. Being sanctified simply means to be set apart. Being sanctified means it's a process of God refining who I am. He's making me better. He's bringing me closer to Him. He's making me look more like Jesus each and every day as I fall deeper in love with Him. Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and have crucified them there. Galatians 6, 14. Paul says, As for me... May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Look, here's the secret sauce right here of overcoming the sinful life, embracing the spiritual life so that I live a sanctified life, set apart, different from this world, different feelings, different thoughts, different emotions, different outlook a different experience with what culture is having because I'm doing it God's way. Because of that, if I can nail the passions and the desires of my sinful self to the cross of Jesus, if I give it to Him, if I submit it to Him, well, God, this is the way I think. I know that's what the Bible says, but here's how I feel. I love, uh, I love this thing. I feel this way. I want this thing. Well, here's the deal. You take your passions, you take your desires, you take your feelings and you give it to the Lord. You let Him crucify it. You let Him take those things away. And you give Him room to say, I'm not worried about my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions. God, I want your thoughts. I want your feelings. I want your emotions. I want what you want for my life. So God, you begin to shape me and mold me and make me. And in return, the Bible says, I love this. He says that my interest in the world dies away. And the world's interest in me begins to die away. That's the secret sauce to living a sanctified life. Look, I know today that this is, this is tough. It's a tough world to navigate. And our feelings and our emotions and our desires and our relationships, all those things, it makes it difficult because it's a struggle. For every single one of us, it's a struggle in picking the fruit to turn away and resist our own passions our own desires, our own sinful self. For many of us to make some changes in our life, to take what the Bible says is our passions and our desires and to crucify them to the cross, for many of us it's sacrificing relationships. For many of us that's sacrificing a way of life. It's sacrificing the way that we feel. It's sacrificing everything that we thought we knew. It's sacrificing the way that we see the world around us. But if you want to Resist the fruit of the sinful life and embrace the fruit of the spiritual life so that we can live a sanctified life. It requires us to submit it to the Lord. And then when we do, you'll find yourself with no desire for what the world has to bring 
And the world's grip on you will be loosened because you've submitted everything to the Lord. Today I can tell you there's no greater way than God's way. And if we're going to represent Jesus, church, those of us who are believers, if we're going to represent Jesus and represent Him well, if we're going to be in this world but not of this world, if people are going to be able to tell that we belong to Him because of the fruit that we bear, this fruit of the Spirit, then you and I must submit everything to the Lord and allow Him to work in us and through us. And so my prayer for us today is that we pick the right fruit. In the weeks to come, we're going to break down these fruits of the Spirit and we're going to learn more about each one of these. But today, I'm, a, I'm asking us to pick the right fruit, to resist the sinful self, embrace the spiritual life so we can live the sanctified life. I want to pray that over us today. If where you are, if you could just bow your head, close your eyes, and just focus in on just a moment, on just a second with God. And I want you to take your anger and toss it to the side about what we've talked about today. I want you to take your emotions and I want, you to, I want you to push it to the side. I want you to take your philosophy and I want you to push it to the side. I want you to take the thoughts that you're thinking about other people that should know better and should do better and I want you to toss it all to the side. And I want you to say, God, today I want you to search me. Is there something that I have embraced and that I have developed as a way of life that is just counterintuitive? It's the opposite. It's the complete other direction of what you've had for me. So God, just reveal that to me today. And I want to pray for us today that we would be able to, to reconcile ourselves with God. Maybe you're watching today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I want to tell you, if you're watching or listening right now in this moment, this is your day. This is your moment. Don't miss your opportunity to make the greatest decision, and that's to say yes to Jesus. And I want to pray for you. And then I want to pray for the rest of us that today, no matter where we are, what our struggle is, where we are in our thinking, our emotions, our feelings, that we just submit to the Lord today. Take everything we have, give it to the Lord, and allow God to be able to work in us and through us. So Father, today, for any of my friends who are watching and do not have a relationship with you, I pray that today you would forgive us of our sin. May we reject that sinful life that we've been living. Jesus, you said if we love you, we would obey Today, we're choosing to do what you've asked us to do, and that's to confess our sin and submit ourselves to you. So today, we just thank you for what you've done for us, how you died on the cross. Today, we submit ourselves to you. We choose to put you first in our life. And God, I pray for all of my friends today that are just struggling in areas of their life. God, every one of us to pick the proper fruit. May we resist that sinful self. May we embrace the spiritual life. So ultimately, we can live out the fruit and sanctify life so that we please you, God, and we make a difference in the lives of those around us. Thank you for bringing truth to us today. Thank you for challenging us in the way we think, move, feel, and act. God, I just pray that today we find freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen.